New Year's is one of my favorite times of year because it's that time when uh, I can kind of wind down after a busy season and start to think about what's coming next because of what's happened as we just celebrated. But here's the thing about the challenge of switching the calendar page, of putting up a new calendar from 2021 to 2022. And this is this question. How do you know this year will be better than the last? How can you be certain? I wish we could know. I mean, I love to sit down and take some time uh, right after Christmas is over, right after that uh, last Sunday service is over, and to sit down and just look at uh, what would I like to see happen in the next year. For one, it's just downtime, right? Because Christmas has been so busy. We had so many events here at Trinity uh, over the month of December, and you probably had even more than that with family obligations, maybe some Christmas concerts if you have some kids in grade school, but you name it, there would have been just so, so busy. So it's nice right after Christmas is over to just have that moment between Christmas and New Year to go, <sighs> okay, calendar's a little bit clearer than it, than it used to be. Although for, for me and my family, it really wasn't a break because uh, immediately after the last Sunday in December, uh, as I said earlier, we piled in the car and we drove uh, to Canada. We had great weather, but then we're just traveling everywhere, visiting family and trying to see all the members of our family as much as possible. And then we just got back late on Thursday afternoon, and we just had a couple of days yesterday, and today after this service, we jump back in the car, my wife takes me to the airport, and I jump on a plane and fly to Kansas in order to serve with Crosstalk Global as we start up our brand new cohort teaching pastors biblical preaching and uh, biblical communication in uh, Kansas over the next week, so that's going to be super busy. So maybe when I come back, I'll be able to rest a little bit. No, wait, because after that, um, at the end of the month, I'm going to be uh, giving a breakout session at Training Ground. For those of you that are part of our weekly emails, uh, we've been talking about Training Ground over the last few weeks. It's a uh, event, a conference that our district disciple-making committee puts on to help develop those who are interested in training up adults, training up youth, training up kids, training up those with special needs on what it means to follow Jesus. We talk about practical ministry steps, and I'll be giving a breakout session at the end of January, and I got to get ready for that. So that's going to be busy because maybe, maybe then I'll just have to take some time in February, you know, around Valentine's Day. That'll be some time to wind down. That'll be nice and easy to just chill out. No, wait, uh, my wife's having surgery the week I get back from, uh, from Kansas, so then that'll mean the next 12 to 14 weeks that I'll be looking after most of the house and the dog and the kids and all of the things that she would normally assist with and work on. Uh, we do that together, a lot of those things while she's laid up. So uh, maybe May we'll have some time. Like right after Easter, I'll be able to unplug. No, that's not right, because then we'll have district conference. I'm back in Kansas in the middle of May. Whew, I'm tired just thinking about all of those things. Maybe in the summer, we'll have some time to wind down. No, wait, our son is going to be headed off to college, so we'll be having to get all of those things ready. I'm 
I don't know about whether this year is going to be better. I don't know if 2022 is going to be better. I can tell you it's going to be busier. I think. Because who knows? Stuff happens, as we've learned over the last couple of years, where all of a sudden the world can put a big, giant pause on everything. And that's completely out of our control. And that's just my calendar. I don't know about your calendar, but I have a sneaking suspicion that yours might be just as busy. You've got some things that you want to do. There are some things that you've got planned, not just goals, but your regular routine that you want to get into or get back into, some things that you want to start. But it's just so busy. Who knows what will happen? Maybe that's actually a better question when I think about it. Rather than asking, will this year be better than the last? Maybe a better question is that we need to ask is, who knows what will happen? Who knows what will happen? And here's the interesting thing. I think as followers of Jesus Christ, we do have a sense of what will happen. I'm not always sure we like what he says. I'm not always sure that as Christians, we like what our God says, what will happen in our lives. Would you like to know what happens as a Christian? Something more than just the, the, the here's our life and then we're in eternity. What's kind of the big picture? I think Jesus' disciples knew i think they wanted to know and they wanted to know because jesus came and said to them something that troubled them about the news of what was going to happen they wanted to know because of something jesus said and so they asked him jesus what do you mean we'd like to think that this year's going to be better than the last. But if that's not true, what's going to happen? And so Jesus answers them in Mark chapter 13. If you have a Bible with you, turn with me in them to Mark chapter 13. It's there we read these verses. As Jesus was leaving the temple... One of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Today we return to our series, Son of God, where we've been looking verse by verse, narrative by narrative, story by story at the Gospel of Mark. And what we have learned since we started this series all the way back number of months ago is that what you believe about Jesus determines everything about you, 
the world in which you live, and your destiny. All of the things that are on that sermon bumper that, you know, over time it looks like, oh, that's just filler so Pastor Brian can get up on the stage and get ready and the worship team can get off the stage. That's not true. The whole point of the Gospel of Mark is given away right in the sermon bumper that what you believe about Jesus determines everything about who you are, the world in which you live, and the way you look at the world. And your destiny, both now and forever. And Jesus says something that shakes his friends to the core. Because what is the temple? It's the hub of Jewish life. It was destroyed back when Nebuchadnezzar sacked Jerusalem and took everyone away to Babylon. And they call that the exile. They said that God has uh, forgotten us. We've been punished for our sins. And now they're back. And Herod has rebuilt the temple that David and Solomon built to even greater grandeur than before. Following the same design, he's added on. And he's made it a spectacle for all nations. It is a, a tourist site, but it's also the social hub and the religious identity of all of the nation, of all of the people of God. And Jesus says, as the, as the uh, disciples are looking and saying, look at the size of these stones. Like, look at the workmanship. Look at the craftsmanship. Look at how beautiful this is. Jesus says, there will come a day when all of this is gone. It'll be so flattened. Not one stone will be left on another. Do you know what kind of devastation does that kind of thing? You've seen some of the images that have gone through the Midwest from the tornadoes and the hurricanes that, that went through, right? You know the damage that was caused. That's what Jesus is describing when he says that. And that's hard for them to hear. Because this, this temple is more than just the social and religious life. It is a sign that says they are the people of God. Are you saying, Jesus, that this is going to actually remove God from us? And it troubles them so much that they come quietly as Jesus is hanging out, overlooking the temple, and they say, look, how... How is this going to happen? How can we be ready when those days come? And I love that question. I don't think I like the answer. I would have loved if Jesus had said some other answer. I would have loved if Jesus had said, uh, listen, this is going to happen, but, you know, it, it's, it's okay. And, and, you know, he just kind of glossed over it. Instead, Jesus gives, well, I think he does what friends do to friends when they tell, this is, this is what's happening. This is the real thing. He's honest with them. He's truthful to them. He says this, starting in verse 5. Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he, 
and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the, what's the word? Beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And when you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the, the reader understand, let, let, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter <laughs> because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. Happy New Year? What can you expect to happen? as a Christ follower. Suffering and persecution because you are a Christ follower. Jesus says that as the gospel is shared with all unreached people groups around the world, as that rises, as we gain more access and more technology to finish the task, that the Lord has given us in the Great Commission, so also there is an arising 
of persecution. It will be everywhere. It will affect every believer. And it's not going to get better until God says enough. If God didn't say enough is enough, we would all be destroyed. I think all of us in our time have had some bad news come our way. I think one of the worst moments of hearing bad news was the time that my father told me that he had pancreatic cancer and that he just had a number of months to live. I knew about pancreatic cancer. We had had friends and church members go through it uh, earlier than this. My dad was just in his 60s. Nothing can be done to stop pancreatic cancer. It would not get better. It would only get worse. Jesus knew that. He knew that the world was not going to get better. With all of the advancements, with all of the levels of interconnectivity, with all of our ability to see more than we've ever seen before, he says the world will not get better. It will only get worse. And it will get worse specifically for believers. And I think in our culture, in the West, particularly in the United States, we tend to insulate ourselves a little bit from that reality, but the truth is that that is happening today, more so than ever. I'm part of a, a group, as I said, uh, off the top of the message called Crosstalk Global, uh, where we're equipping biblical communicators so every culture hears God's voice. We go around the world into a number of countries training pastors who have no access to formal theological training and help them understand how to communicate the Bible to their people. They're lovely people. They're lovely pastors and evangelists and church leaders who understand the gospel message but do not understand how to communicate the whole counsel of God to their people. And so we help them. We help them in a way where they cannot get or could not acquire formal training because of the cost. And as we've traveled around the world, we've heard a number of stories of what it's like to be a Christian in other parts of the world. As a matter of fact, uh, the Crosstalk podcast recently talked about a number of these stories. Stories of horrific persecution. In one country where Crosstalk serves, we learned that um, the state and the government is trying to stamp out Christianity. And one of the tactics that they'll use is that they will identify a, a weak member of a, a strong Christian leader's family. They'll identify someone who maybe doesn't have a strong faith or maybe doesn't have a, a strong interest in maybe what their parents are doing or uncle or aunt is, are doing. 
And then they will offer them a position in the government. And it's a really sweet job. Lots of perks, lots of benefits, great pay. And they'll offer that for a few years. And life will be good for that person for a few years. And then they'll come alongside them and they'll say, Look, we know what your family's doing. And if you don't help us, shut them down. Then you will lose everything. And the kids will walk into their parents' home or their parents' church or the towns in which they live and they will say they are enemies of the state to their parents. And the state will come and arrest their father, their mother, their aunt. There are some areas in some countries, some stories from the people that we serve where... The authorities will go into the smaller villages and confiscate homes and farms. Farms that they've worked for decades, they are just taken over. We've heard stories of the police waiting outside of towns as uh, the ministry team Maybe a couple gets ready to travel to another village to have an evangelistic crusade or to have just a regular Sunday service because a lot of pastors in some of these countries pastor in a number of towns. And so they'll go from place to place all day. And sometimes the authorities are waiting outside of town with roadblocks. They see the ministry team or the ministry couple coming, they'll drag them out of their cars and beat them with clubs to get them to stop. There are other countries where families will excommunicate their children if they come to Christ. We know of one young woman who all she has is the clothing on her back and a small bag of supplies in a common dorm room because her family has disowned her for following Jesus. And there are some former Eastern Bloc countries where we serve. Whereas records are becoming more uh, public knowledge than when they, uh, when, when they were under a Soviet rule, stories of pastors betraying their congregations in order to save their lives. The sad news is that that kind of persecution, we're not aware of it, but it's happening all around the world. And Jesus says it will happen everywhere. It will happen to every believer and it won't get better as we continue to take the gospel to all nations, all unreached people groups. Persecution will come for you and for me. So just like Peter, James, John, and Andrew, they want to know, when is this going to happen? How can we be ready? I think that's the better question. If that's what will happen, how can we be ready when difficult days come, when persecution comes simply because we are followers of Jesus? Well, Jesus says this. 
at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and He will send His angels and gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. What is it that Jesus is telling us? How can we be ready? Well, first He says, watch out where you are putting your hope. Because there will be a great temptation to believe anything that will relieve the pressure that you are under. Because that's what we do. When we're under pressure, when we're experiencing pain, when we're experiencing suffering, we look for relief. If we have an ache or a pain or a bruise, we reach for medication. If we have a headache, we reach for something to calm that down. If we feel tired, we reach for, for coffee and caffeine to, to uh, perk us up a little bit. That's what we do. We medicate ourselves past our difficulties, past our struggles. And there will be an incredible temptation simply as a follower of Jesus to find anything that releases us from suffering for Jesus. I remember uh, a number of years ago, many of you know this story, I, I uh, took my ladder out to go up on our roof and clean the gutters uh, late fall day, and I put the ladder, stupidly, on a wet driveway covered in leaves. And as I climbed the ladder up to the top, almost onto the roof, small, uh, small bungalow, the uh, ladder slipped out from under my feet and I fell to the ground and I had a compress fracture in my lower back. And I remember lying on the pavement of the driveway thinking, how do I relieve this pain? I didn't quite think of it in that kind of a term. You can imagine there was certainly more emotion to it, but it was excruciating. I remember trying to take off the coat that I was wearing and trying to jam it under my back so that I could somehow spin and rotate just because that felt better. And I was trying to use it as like a, a lumbar support would do to, to just lift it off and to just, that, that felt a little bit better. And my neighbor, uh, he used to work in construction, uh, like he was 90 years old at 70, right? <laughs> he had come running over, he had heard the noise, and he said, you take that jacket out from under your back and you lay flat on the ground. I don't care how painful it is. And the reason why he did that was because if I had have twisted my back and twisted my torso to relieve the pain now, it could cause irreparable damage for the rest of my life. 
And of course, that was backed up by the firefighters. As I was lying there on the ground, they came and said, listen, you just need to fly, uh, lie flat. We're going to put you on this uh, backboard and we're going to strap you to it so that you cannot turn in any way so that you minimize the risk of further harming your back. That's what I would have done. Under that extreme pressure, I would have done anything to find relief. And Jesus says, listen, I love you. That's why I'm telling you what's coming. And the risk that you will have is that you will look for, I just need some relief. I just need to maybe walk away from Jesus for a time. Maybe I need to walk away from ministry for a time. Or this person's preaching that, hey, I can have all of this and a bag of chips on top of that. I want that. And I will do whatever it takes to find relief from the suffering and persecution that I am undering. But that is not our hope. Our hope is not relief. Our hope is His return. Our hope is not in our relief. Our hope is when He returns. Our hope is the return of Christ and the Son of God will come with power, with glory, with His angels, and He will gather His elect from the four corners of the earth, from the four corners of heaven, from all of reality, and He will take them home to be with Him. Christian, He is coming for His family. But... That doesn't answer how we can be ready for that return. We need to be on guard that we're not looking for relief. Jesus says, instead of looking for relief, do something different. He says this. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. So even so. When you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this, this generation, this church, will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Let me read that again. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Jesus tells us 
Trust what I'm telling you. Trust my word. Trust his word. And we trust his word by putting it into practice. That's how we keep watch, by preparing for our Savior's return. And since we don't know when that's going to happen, not even Jesus knew when that was going to happen, since we don't know when he is coming, be ready now. The best way to be ready then is to be ready now. Because we don't know when, when we'll be. Let me put it to you this way. Have you ever had someone just drop by your house unannounced and say, I'd like to come in, I'd like to visit? What is that feeling? If I were to tell you, hey, I'm coming by at 1 o'clock to your house today, I'd love to come and visit you. Do you would you need to tidy up a bit before I came in? Or is your house ready for guests? If you're like us, our family, truth be told, we would probably make you wait in your car for about a half an hour while we hid everything in the basement. And we vacuumed everywhere and we put the dog in her crate and we got all the dog hair off everywhere because we're often not ready for unexpected guests. It takes us time to prepare. I remember uh, a long time ago at a church I used to serve at, uh, we tried to have a ministry event. We wanted to have an event where people would get to know each other better uh, outside of real formal ministry. So we had sort of this one-shot ministry event where we asked people to either sign up on one of two pieces of paper, sign up on uh, as, a, as a host to have someone come over for whatever reason, dinner or dessert or coffee or, or whatever, uh, or uh, you could sign up as a guest to go to someone's house. And then what we would do is a team would come together and take all of those names and we'd pair people off and say, okay, uh, this host is going to have this guest come over. We'll connect the two families or we'll connect the two people together and say, hey, make plans. And then we'll follow up with people and say, how did it go? Let me ask you, which list do you think had more names? The list for, I'd love to be a host, sign me up. Or the list that said, I'd love to be a guest in someone else's home. Which one had more? Oh, you know that the more people signed up to be guests. As a matter of fact, we couldn't do the event. Because no one signed up to be a host. Even after we asked people. Oh, my apartment's too small. Oh, I'm too busy. I can go to someone else or I can go out for coffee with someone, but I can't have anyone over. So I think what Jesus tells us here about being ready for when he comes back and no one knows the time is incredibly appropriate. When Jesus comes, will he find your house ready for him? Will he find you obedient? Will he find you faithful to the task that he has given you with your life? Since we don't know when he is coming, the best time to be ready is now. The good news is that the Great Commission is being completed. 
Disciples are being made in all nations. And there are a number of initiatives to take the gospel to unreached people groups around the world. And when every nation, every unreached people group has a chance to respond to the gospel, then the king will come. But as we go, as we are accomplishing the great task that God has given us, know this. Our lives will suffer more and more simply because we are working for Jesus. We are trying to make disciples. And the temptation will be, Jesus says, to look for any form of relief and release that we can find. But he says, rather than look for release, rather than look for relief, look for the return. Look for the return of the king. Because the king will come and he will look at our lives to see if his servants were watching. That is our hope. That is our new hope. That is our hope for 2022 as we set goals and think about what is it that we can do? What is it that we can become? I think the priority of that is that we must become better servants of the coming king in every part of our lives. The more universal and personal the suffering of Christians becomes, the closer the return of Christ is. And since we don't know when that will be, the only way to be found faithful then is to be faithful now. The way to be found faithful then is to be faithful now. If we are going to be faithful on that day, then we need to be faithful today. So as we close, let me give you one question. What will you do this year to increase your faithfulness to the Lord? What will you do this year to increase your faithfulness to the coming King? How will you serve Him? How will you increase your knowledge of Him and intimacy with Him? How will you increase your faithfulness to the Lord? Because we know what's coming. The question is, will we be ready? We can choose to be ready today. Let me pray. Father, we ask your Holy Spirit now to help us. To not be overwhelmed by the thoughts of what is to come. We do not need to despair as those who have no hope. We have a real hope of the return of the King. And we want to be ready. We want to be ready when that day comes. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to be faithful now so that we will be found faithful then. 
Help us to build 2022 towards that day to being found faithful. That we would leverage our possessions. That we would leverage our time to serve you well and to grow in our knowledge and our intimacy with you, our Heavenly Father. Lord, we don't know when you will come back, but we know you will. And we want to be faithful then. We want to be found faithful and watching and ready then. So help us to be faithful and ready now. We pray this in Jesus' name.